Welcome to the Utah Women in Leadership podcast series. Today we're going to be talking about Utah women, confidence, and leadership. In 2015, I wrote and published a research and policy brief titled, Women, Confidence, and Leadership, What Do Utah Women Leaders Think? And that's what we want to talk about today. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, Founding Director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project, and I'm here with Robin Scribner, the Project's Assistant Director. Robin, this is such an interesting brief. It's from a few years ago, but still applies today. Oh, absolutely. And we talk about these concepts all the time. Whenever we're talking about any aspect of women in leadership, confidence is truly a core message. And one of the things that we did with this survey, and it, and it's just talk about the methodology for just a second. We actually collected information from LinkedIn, from survey responses of people that actually attended an event that was a couple hours at Utah Valley University on confidence. And so we pulled in some data from various sources for this particular report. And the first thing that we asked folks was, Generally, why do we struggle? I mean, why does Utah struggle with getting more women in leadership today? And this was in 2015. It's 2019. Right. Are we still struggling? We are still struggling, sadly, but we're moving forward. I think we're making progress. And interestingly, the comments came in, and we'll just touch on this a little bit because we want to get to some other issues. The comments uh, that came from many folks on this topic really can be categorized into five core areas. And one of them I talk about constantly, I think you talk about it too, is that part of the struggle in women's leadership relates to not enough women going to college and graduating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the research is really clear that confidence increases with that bachelor's degree level, especially, and then moves up even from there. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the foundation. So what confidence says, what leadership, I mean, the research on leadership and confidence that the more education, the more confidence you have. And so we know with our numbers in the state of Utah that we are below the national average on women getting their bachelor's degree and especially right. at the graduate degree level. Yes, absolutely. In fact, we have a recent report that still says that. So that's one of them. Um, what one stuck out with you? Do you Robin? know, one of the factors that I find most fascinating was an idea of a failure to develop a leadership identity. Some of the mm-hmm. women talked about the fact that they didn't know if women were really supposed to be leaders. Maybe that was a role for men and women were supposed to be followers. And not necessarily that the women believe that themselves, but, but there was a prevailing culture and ideology surrounding those topics, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. And we have that lumped under personal challenges in our report, that mindset sometimes. And we still see that. Oh, yes. Um, with studies that we've done and other just anecdotal data that was sometimes women say, well, no, I'm a mother. Right. I can't really be a leader and a mother. Which we know is not really the case. Right. And, it's, and that's a conceptual failure to understand what leadership really is, right? Thinking of leaders only as someone who holds a paid position or a position with a title and not recognizing that we can lead in any sphere, in any setting. Absolutely. And I think the the link to the lack of confidence is, is a big piece oh, on yes. personal challenges as well. You always like to talk about the work life, and that was one of the core five areas. Again, we asked folks, why do we struggle in Utah? 
with women in leadership. So that work-life issue was one that came up. Yes. And that's huge. Again, related to the idea that if women are so overburdened with some of their other responsibilities, if they're doing all the work in the home, not getting that support, it's hard for them to even find the space mentally and just the time to look for opportunities to lead. And and I think that moves into one of the other uh, main chunks of data we received on they feel a lack of support from mentors and role models, sponsors, lack of mentor networking, uh, lack of investment personally, but maybe with companies as well in their careers. And they also mentioned some of the women that were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints mentioned they didn't, uh, there really wasn't a culture that encouraged women to be leaders, at least their perception. Right. Right. So that's an important one as well. And then other workplace challenges. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the things that we know about our businesses in the state is that we don't have enough women leaders at higher levels. And so when you're talking about mentoring, role models, different things, it's hard to envision yourself as a leader, have the confidence to know that you can do it if you're not seeing many other women doing yeah. it. Yeah. You can't be it if you, don't, if you can't see it, right? right? That's the quote that we talk about. There's many other struggles as well, but those were the same main categories, the personal challenges, the lack of education, work life, feelings of lack of support, and then other workplace challenges. And I think sexual harassment and some other things could probably fit into that one as well. They talked about many things when they looked at that. So, So we had four, that's the first of four questions that we wanted to talk about today. Again, what were the challenges? What as a state with getting more women in leadership is the one we just talked about. So a second one was really specifically for women and young women, I should say, because we had teenagers there. Right. Women that spent a couple hours with us really in a workshop talking about, uh, it was called the confidence crisis mm-hmm. in girls and women. And so really talking about the difference between boys and girls and men and women on confidence. And so it related to neuroscience and, and the genetics, but also upbringing. Right. And, and then women's choices in and of it themselves. So we asked people that attended, what were the key kind of ahas that they had? What were the most that could, they, that they could implement in their lives and have something, you know, change something? And so we had a number of responses, nine different categories. Uh, What were were the interesting ones to you, Robin? So as you were just mentioning, I think the confidence gap between genders is really interesting. And and even though we kind of feel it intuitively, really seeing the data about how boys and girls have the same levels of confidence when they're little kids, they both believe they can do everything. And then as girls start getting closer toward puberty, some of those uh, early adolescent years, the gap really grows. And so as you discuss understanding some of the physiological, hormonal reasons for that, but also the socialization I think is really strong. We have this powerful message in our culture that girls' looks are the most important things. And Mm. as their bodies start to change, they start to see themselves differently and think, well, I'm not worth much if I don't fit perfectly this model of the ideal body type. So I think that was a really profound uh, finding from this. Especially, I think every place, but especially in Utah, as, as we've talked about before on other podcasts, we have a a snapshot specifically on cosmetic surgery and body image. And that's an important one to consider. I often, when I speak, I talk about a couple of things. Well, I talk about lots of things, of course, Mm -hmm. but two that, that people really resonate with. And one is perfectionism and the other is rumination. 
So women typically, and there's been some research specifically on women in Utah, specifically members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on and toxic perfectionism. So many women, more than men, we're perfectionist. And when you are more of a perfectionist, you don't act. You, you work in your head a lot. You're trying to be as good as perfect. You don't act because you're, you know, until you think everything's perfect. And confidence is about acting. It you is. can't, self-esteem is a little bit different, but you can't increase your confidence unless you actually do things. So perfectionism keeps us from doing things. Therefore, we don't increase our confidence. And then the rumination, and then I'll have you talk about a couple that are interesting, but the rumination is interesting. It's so fascinating to look at hormones and the neurotransmitters and some different things uh, between men and women. We really are, we have some things that are very different. And women are blessed and cursed (laughs) with um, some hormones that really make our mind, and I think some of it's habit too, make our mind continue to spin. So something that maybe my husband and I would hear that would be rude, you know, he would be over it so fast and we continue to spin. And sometimes even the next day we're thinking, oh my gosh, that was a rude thing that person said. And we just keep spinning. And what the research is finding is that the more we ruminate, the less confidence we have. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, a couple of the ones that I wanted to talk about were related to what you were just saying. I think perfectionism and rumination are related. <laughs> you know, we we worry about things oh, and if yeah. we ever do make a mistake, Take them. We spin and and go over and over again. But uh, failure was another one of the concepts that we talked about, which is also related to perfectionism. That we believe we cannot act until we're first confident and absolutely sure that we're going to succeed. And what the research really shows is that failure is a key to developing confidence because we have to act, we have to move forward, and then after we fail, we realize it wasn't the end of the world. I can try something else. And really trying and failing and going through that process is how we develop more confidence and recognize I can do hard things. And even if I fail, look at what I've learned. So I loved that one. And then I loved the idea of the communication habits between mm-hmm. men and women. Uh, women often in our It's society, so good to understand the differences. Oh, yes. But looking at the the idea that women sometimes don't feel as if they can speak up and mm-hmm. and find a way to find and develop their own voices. And as they do that and recognize, I have something to say. I have valuable contributions. That's a great way to grow and develop in confidence. And being sure of yourself, even if there's a chance that you're not right. Mm-hmm. You know, now men often, we men know sometimes, that. <laughs> yeah, they, sometimes they just go off and they're totally confident. You're like, you have no idea what you're talking about. But, but finding a way to, to get rid of some of the qualifiers that we use all the time. Well, I'm not really sure, but I just want to share this idea. Disclaimers. Speak so confidently. Have, yeah. Say, this is what I think. Recognize that somebody might have a different idea and we can disagree about it. But that's one of the ways, again, that we grow and develop in confidence is by speaking up and being sure. And, and sometimes just understanding, sometimes research makes people afraid, but understanding some key things about research. For instance, if a woman, if there's mostly men in a room and a woman walks in, she typically will speak and she won't even know it and people won't notice, speak 75% less than men. Mm. Um, 
Interestingly, I talked about this years ago at Dugway Proving Ground here in Utah, and the leadership, they were in the room, and I mentioned this, that when men are in the room with mostly women, they still talk the same. Mm -hmm. And so it was funny, because I got a couple of emails later that week that the women on campus, uh, or on at the Proving Ground, were saying, now we have to talk. Every time we're in a meeting, we're the only women, but the men are like aware of it, so they're asking the women for their opinions. So actually increasing our awareness as women of the kinds of things that happen, but also to help men, male advocates, male allies understand these findings are important as well. I love that. So the other category, um, we have two more categories that we wanted to talk about. Uh, The question we asked is, when have you struggled most in your life with confidence and what would have helped you? This is a really important question. It is. And we found some really personal responses here, right, from the survey participants. And growing up was one of the, that was actually the top. So they could remember these young women and women, different ages. It was, I think this one was 16 years old and up Okay, that were invited. So that's an important thing to think about. But all of them were looking at their growing up years, that that lack of confidence, things happened during those times where they just didn't have their voice. They didn't have their confidence to use their voice and different elements, some from their family environments, some from sports, um, some negative, negative, most sports things have positive Usually things, build but confidence, I remember right? a couple of, of things where they had really kind of abusive coaches, mental, right. you know, that, that really, really impacted their confidence in a lot of ways. So that one was really between that sixth and 12th grades where most of the comments, you know, being teased, bullied, those kinds of things. And that mirrors the research that we find in those years, those early adolescent years, the uh, confidence starts to drop for girls. And I love this this research that we're sharing because it can help the influencers in the lives of girls and young women recognize These are key times that we need to be paying attention and giving girls opportunities to build and develop their confidence rather than have it plummet as it naturally might happen in our culture. And again, confidence, when you look at the research, confidence is gained through acting. Yeah. And so giving girls opportunities when they're, and boys too, but boys typically get more Mm -hmm. um, opportunities to lead even in neighborhood things, in church settings, even when they're young, instead of micromanaging. Sometimes we like things as adult women to be really great. And really, we know how to do it best. So we jump in and actually letting people, I've always thought, I have to say that, um, I fit a little bit better with Boy Scouts out out in the woods, you know, that week-long camp rather than girls, because girls were more controlled, you know, and the trees were even decorated right. back then and so forth. Just kind of And the let, leaders maybe are doing more and not giving yes, the girls really the chance to act. That space. So the other one that really caught my eye on this one, and there were six main categories in the confidence struggles was motherhood. Yes. Oh my gosh. That one was so interesting. So maybe, maybe it wasn't their, their young, you know, growing up days, but some of them were very strong in college even and whatever. And then they started staying home with kids and it kind of dropped their confidence. And I can think of a couple of reasons for that. You know, we've talked about the fact that motherhood doesn't come with an instruction manual. There are so many opportunities for things to go wrong, right? And to feel isolated. I think many women have that experience that they, uh, you know, are going along in school, they're at work, and then all of a sudden they're home and they're alone. And they think, 
am I doing everything wrong? Right. I, and not really believing. I struggled. Yeah. I, I struggled at that point after my first child. Um, I was going, 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 got my degrees, got married, was still moving. And then I was teaching junior high. And then I started staying home. And it just really threw me off. Yeah. I, I realized that I'm so good. I have a lot of gifts in, in so many areas, but not related to staying at home with kids as much. And so I, I did stay home with kids and I developed a lot of, of things, but you it, learned it was a lot, hard. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was well, kind of hard. And I think that relates to another tension that we still, even though we're working so hard to change this dialogue, there is still a tension between working moms and stay-at-home moms, which mm-hmm. I wish we could get rid of. But I think both groups feel a little bit judged. Yeah. Both groups feel as if the other people are looking at them saying, you're doing it wrong, right? And so no matter what we talk about mom guilt, there are so many things that are working and to beat down. Yeah, yeah to beat judgment. down a mom's confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And, and judgment really, or the thought that people are judging. Right, whether yeah. or not it's actually yeah. happening. Can really take a hit on our confidence, absolutely. especially, you know, when we're transitioning and trying to navigate new transitions in and our then, lives. And then, of course, motherhood comes with the hormones and <laughs> loss of sleep and all these other things that wear down your mental health yeah. anyway, which also can be a factor. So one of, I I remember, and in our report, we mentioned uh, one respondent actually said, quote, motherhood has been the biggest blow to my self-confidence. I thought that was so interesting of all the other things in life that that could do that. And there is great pressure to compare yourselves to others. Yes. And just what you talked about. And so I think that was really... um, and, and some other things that, that go in. I mean, some of the women that responded talked about domestic violence issues. For sure. And so little kids, but domestic violence and some of those kinds of abuse psychologically mm-hmm. and physically and other kinds of abuse can just, you know, uh, have really a huge hit that impact. confidence yes. level. So, And then you talked about failure just a minute ago. But some of the women said that, in fact, we have six categories. We've talked about a couple that when you really look at what periods of your life and what kinds of things have influenced uh, your struggles, that you've struggled with the most. I didn't say that very well, but we got it. And failure is one. But we need to fail. We need to learn how to fail as women and do things and get more confidence. Well, and I've heard you talk about this before. It's not just the failure in itself that brings greater confidence. It's the learning that follows it. It's the self-reflection. And so I love that idea. Of course, if we learn and repeatedly, I mean, if we fail after fail after fail and don't take a chance to look at it, say, what did I learn? How can I do things differently, then that's not going to bring the confidence. So the failure has to be paired with reflection. That is such a good point, Robin. A few other things. Body image and appearance, the mixed messages that sometimes people Mm -hmm. and not knowing what is right, what they feel right about or wrong, and some other workplace challenges, feeling less than or devalued in the workplace. I want to spend the last little bit that we have together today, though, to talk about proposed solutions. Let's get to some solutions. I love it. And we really had a number of them, but we outline in our brief really six primary themes that emerged. And the first one is, and it was the most frequently mentioned solutions, is to help more women in Utah attend and complete college. We'll keep beating that down from the <laughs> rooftops, right? And we're making some progress. Oh, there. yes. But that really is a foundational thing. And the second one was to have more female role models, mentors, and sponsors in all sectors and in the community at large. You've talked about this as well. 
Yes, and I think that's absolutely vital. And it and it plays into so many of these different elements of confidence that we've talked about. That's why it's so important for each of us adult women to recognize the value and responsibility that we have in growing and developing as leaders, because that is what is going to inspire the next generation. We have. We have to have more. And women willing to run for office, women willing to take those leadership roles, even in the community. We're talking in the unpaid work right? Um, as well. Volunteer work, volunteer community work. work yes. Yeah. So I think we're making some progress, though. Oh, I do, too. Well, the the next thing that we were going to talk about was changing the way society views women. That's a tough one sometimes. And some of the things we just mentioned in the uh, mixed messages and the workplace challenges are really a result. Our culture is changing. Society is changing. And we're not in the same place. Women aren't viewed in the same way they were 30 years ago. And that's a challenge for some people to recognize. I have to see myself in a different way. I have to see the people in my life in a different way. And so changing the way society views women, it's no longer enough for women to say, my role is only a private role. I will only influence in the private sphere. Women have to influence in the public sphere, whether that's paid or unpaid or whatever it is. Women have to participate publicly. I agree. That must shock you. You've never mm. heard me agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I, I talk about that a lot. Thank you for that. I, I one, one participant in our study said, judging women based on a narrow set of criteria is not helpful for anyone. Yeah. And so we've done that through the years. But the older I get, especially after having kids and all of that, the more I'm just not, I don't judge people as much as I used to. <laughs> We're all, our lives are all different, right? We all have to do our own thing. And the fourth out of the six really themes related to proposed solutions, the fourth most common response relates to increasing community support and resources for girls and women. Yeah. That is, uh, that's what we try and do. That's what we're all about. So if you want to see those community support and resources, come to our website. We have so much great stuff on there. And in fact, right now, um, in fact, year around, we have a list on our website of Summer and not even, I mean, year around kind of camps, programs for K through 12. Activities for girls to get involved in that will help them increase and grow in confidence. Yeah. So I think that's so important and, and continued support in terms of financial and partnerships for more research. I think Mm -hmm. the research is key and we've appreciated support from the Women in the Economy Commission, uh, so that we can do updates and women in, in college and some different things. We've got some great partners and sponsors. So the fifth one is one that we try and deal with all the time. We try and do it. And that is widespread awareness of these confidence and leadership issues for women. Yeah. So I love that. So that's what we work on. But I love the second part of it was increasing discussions, right? So we go to a big event, we talk about things, we read an article, but then let's take it home to our families, to our coworkers, to other people in our lives and start individual conversations. Because that's really how social change all starts at the individual level, one person at a time, one conversation at a time. And we can do large scale awareness too, more media, Mm -hmm. Um, events, but I love what you're saying. I mean, just even one-on-one, it changes people's lives. We get emails, but you know, we get emails often of someone that has heard us speak and just said, you've got to know that I did sign up and I'm going to college in the fall. And I, that's one of the things that warms my heart. And then the last solution is men need to partner with women on these initiatives and women should be supporting and encouraging each other. So we have a brief that's new, and we we have a podcast on that already yes. called "Male What Strategies That Male Allies Use to Advance Women in the Workplace." And so you can listen to that podcast, read that brief. But more and more as we're moving forward, 
I think that is critical. And the cool thing is, at least in our work, we're seeing more men show up to our events. Absolutely. They understand. That. Well, everybody understands who's in this conversation that this work doesn't get done just by a single group. We all have to be working together to really push for these changes. That's so true. So today we've talked about, you know, why Utah struggles still with women in leadership, and then some of the research around the confidence concepts that or some of the learnings that really resonate with people in Utah, and then where women struggle with, I mean, what stage of life with confidence. And then finally, you know, some of the solutions. Um, there's many solutions, but there's there's real hope in this area, I think. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast series hosted by the Utah Women in Leadership Project at Utah Valley University. Our core mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. If you want to read the research we discussed today or learn more about our research, resources, and events, please visit us at utwomen.org. Thank you.